I'm Joe. Nice to meet you, brother. I love watching you grow up. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Touchdown! Is this the And Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. Iguodala. It's funny to hear female talk about routes like. Backseat hosted by Clark and Ethan. It's funny. Um, but welcome to From the Backseat. I am your host, Ethan Haas, and I am joined today by my co-host. What up, guys? Clark here again for you, per usual. Never leave, never gonna leave. Always gonna be here with my bad takes, good takes, rain or shine. Can't wait to get into it today. Yeah, so how are you doing, Clark? Uh, good. Can't complain. You know, it's uh, it's Wednesday, halfway through the week. You know, it's a nice day out here in San Diego, so really how bad could it be? So... Well, it's about to get a whole lot better because we got a special guest. So our special guest today goes by the TikTok name Pickin' Spreads, which his actual name is Donnie. So Clark and I, let's give a round of applause for Donnie. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Donnie? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I mean, I've always loved doing these types of podcasts and stuff. Like I started my own, didn't really do much um, with it, I guess, just busy with college. But I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Of course. course, We're happy. Pleasure to have you on. Of course, of course. So uh, I would thought I would just give a quick, quick update for our TikTok. I was at Chargers training camp today, which was a blast. It was a good time. There's not that much to report. It's day one. Uh, one thing Clark and I always say to our listeners is do not take away from training camp news. Usually a lot of the time it does thing. Like when the best example I always use is last year, people said there was this backup running back for the Chargers that was going to convert to receiver. Did not take one snap at receiver the entire year, so do not buy him in fantasy. Um, but yeah, training camp was a good time. But let's get to know you, Donnie. So let's start off with how did, how did you become a Cardinals fan? So we know you're a big Cardinals fan. How did you become a Cardinals So it's actually kind of funny. So I live in Iowa, um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, so there's not really much around here like it, it's Iowa, like all the other NFL teams, MLB teams, NBA teams, they're all around me, like in Chicago, Minnesota, Missouri, all that stuff. So we don't really have a team here. So everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be a Bears fan. I'm going to be a Vikings fan. Not a lot of people, but some people say, I want to be a Lions fan. Uh, some people say, I want to be a Chiefs fan or something like that. Me, I kind of wanted to be different than everybody else just because I just wanted to cheer for my team that no one else really could cheer like cheer with me because I just want to be different than everybody else. So when I was nine years old <clears throat> in 2011, I put every team on a wheel, except for the ones that I mentioned, I spun the wheel and I, whatever team it landed on, I was going to stick with for life. And it ended up landing on the Cardinals where, you know, it's been rough. It's been rough ever since I became a Cardinals fans and a Cardinal fan in 09 or 2010, but I've enjoyed every single second of it. And that's basically how I decided to become a Cardinal fan. So, so I got to ask yeah. you, going into when you had the number one pick in the draft, did you want them to stick with Josh Rosen or did you want them to draft Kyler or go a different direction? So, so a lot of people um, know this from my TikTok. Uh, also, real quick, if you can go plug my, uh, follow my TikTok at Pick and Spreads, that'd be awesome. But a lot of people know my backstory with this. Whenever we drafted Josh Rosen in 2018, I was – beyond furious uh i was a big big not josh rosen guy i actually had him um so i'm a big draft guy i've done i've been doing draft content for a long time i had josh rosen as my qb5 in that draft below guys like lamar jackson josh allen sam donald and baker 
and I viewed him as like a late second round talent. I wasn't big on him at all. And then we traded up to number 10 and got him. And I was very, very upset because I just didn't want him. And then after that, I was like, okay, so my life is ruined because this guy's going to be my quarterback for the next three years until he's off the team. And then we fire Steve Wilkes. We get Cliff Kingsbury. And in December, I remember this. I'm a big college football guy. And Kyler Murray at the time was my favorite college quarterback in college football. He was so much fun to watch at OU. I actually got to see him in person whenever Oklahoma came to Iowa State. My grandpa messaged me. He's like, hey, I got an extra free ticket at the 50-yard line to go to Iowa State in Oklahoma. You want to come? And I was like, give me the ticket, man. I want to go to that game right now. So I ended up watching him, had a blast. But my friend asked me in December, hypothetically, and this is before we hired Cliff Kingsbury, before all those rumors about us drafting him, if you were to get rid of Kyler or get rid of Josh Rosen and draft Kyler, how happy would you be? And I told him I would die for that to happen. I'm all over that. Kyler was one of my biggest draft crushes of all time. And then the months go by and all the reports and rumors start getting on. And I'm just like, there's no way. Like, this is just too good to be true. And then April hit. We start closing into the draft. And then on draft night, when we took him number one, I was – it's probably one of the happiest moments of my entire life of being a Cardinal fan like that. And then beating the Packers in the divisional in 2015, those are the two top peak moments in my entire life. And when we did get him, I don't like to say this often, but I had tears in my eyes. Like I was so, so happy because I thought we have my franchise quarterback that I love. Literally. Yeah. Like I was all in on the Kiowa train. And when we drafted him, I was so high. Like I like Nick Bosa and Quentin Williams. Those were kind of the top two defenders. Those guys were really good in college, but at the end of the day, you got to get the QB positioned right. And I thought Kiowa was that. Yeah. And let me ask you this, just because you brought his name up briefly. Um, I know maybe it's a little bit more for you, a hot button topic. I feel like recently with Cliff Kingsbury, what's, what's your view on him? Do you think it's a long-term solution there in Arizona, or do you think he's kind of flaming out and this is a make or break year for him right now? So is there a chance that he could be the long future? Yes. Is it a high chance? Absolutely not. Because the thing about Cliff, and I need to realize this about Cliff, every year for at least a two-week span, Arizona has had the number one offense in the NFL. In 2020, when all we had is D-Hop, all we had was Kyler, Christian Kirk was kind of whatever, and Larry Fitzgerald, I love him, he's a Hall of Famer, he was 37. He's not really doing much at that time. With only that and not great running backs, the Cardinals had the number one offense in the league for about two weeks, and that shocked me. But then every year, we all know the story, he starts to fall for Cliff. Do I? If it happens a third time, I think he finally has to go. Um, there's a lot of people saying that we're going to miss the playoffs, and I think that's definitely a possibility. And if we do miss the playoffs, I guarantee you he's going to be gone, and I will not be upset about it. If he does leave, I won't be upset, but if he does take that jump, which he can, and he's shown flashes of brilliant coaching, like against the Niners when he didn't have, when he didn't have Kyler, D-Hop, A.J. Green, or James, or not James Garner, or Chase Edmonds. He didn't have any of those guys. He went into San Francisco, San Francisco, and with Colt McCoy and James Conner, put up over thirty points. That is extremely impressive. So he has his moments, but it's just the consistency. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't show consistency this year, I think he's got to go. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing I've always thought with Cliff. I, I don't know if it's because if you look at his first half as a coach, even back to Texas Tech, to his second half of seasons, he comes out like a world burner in that first half. And I don't know, I make the jokes myself, I don't know if he just uses everything he has in his bag that first half of the season and forgets, oh, I have to game plan for the second half of the season. 
or what happens, but it is some sort of phenomenon that he's seen to have gotten down, down packed as a head coach. It's wild to see kind of every year happen almost. Yeah, it's 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 absurd. Like even in college, like with Patrick Mahomes, and I do think that's a bit overstated. Like Mahomes in college was good. He's not the Mahomes now. So, but I do get it. Like he, yeah, he was extremely raw, but he had the talent. And even with that, he had some bad moments. Like a good example against Oklahoma. Yes, they lost, but he was able to put up a great game plan. And Patrick Mahomes had maybe the greatest college football game we've ever seen. And then the next week terrible game plan against Iowa State Mahomes has one of the worst games of his career and he throws like six or seven picks like it's just kind of up and down with Cliff and I don't think he's going to show consistency and if we do miss the playoffs he will get fired and I think I'm okay with that so I was talking to someone about it um my first prediction I did was 10 and 7 I thought that was a bit generous went back and I redid it a couple days ago and I ended up giving them an 8 and 9 record and I had them missing the playoffs so that's my current record prediction. But things could change during training camp. Things could happen because the Cardinals schedule is ridiculously hard. They have the second hardest schedule. Yeah, they have the second hardest schedule in the league behind the Rams. So it's a possibility that they can very well miss the playoffs. So let alone, I don't think they're bad enough to get a top 10 pick. But I think they're bad enough to get maybe a top 12 or top 13. Makes enough sense. And I was going to ask one thing too really quick before uh, Ethan gets to his next thing. But obviously the contract came out for Kyler the other day. And the, uh, everything everyone talked about, I feel like, out of that was the stipulation about the, uh, you know, mandatory four hours of study of film. Uh, is that any concern to you as a big Cardinals fan? Is that anything you look at and you're like, uh-oh, red flag? Or is it something more you just feel like, ah, who not big of a deal? So when I first saw it, I was, like, mad. I was like, come on, Kyler, really? But then the more I thought about it, I, I think the real question is going into the future. What's bad about this? Because if anything, he's going to stick with his contract and he's going to continue to work off the field and off work and he's going to do what his contract says. So for the future, what's the downside? I don't really see anything because the contract says he has to do those four hours of preparation per week. And if he doesn't, he won't get his money. Clearly, he wants his money. That's why he was holding out or was going to hold out. So the question is like back then, Yes, there was some like, come on, Kyler, like really, but going into the future, like he's gonna do the extra preparation, which can only do good things. Mm-hmm. For sure. So uh, before we continue on the interview, I want to take a second, and Donnie, I want to give you an opportunity to plug whatever you need to plug. Um. So basically, if you guys could go follow my TikTok, that'd be awesome. At Pick and Spreads, I'm gonna be posting a ton more content whenever I get to college within the next couple weeks. I'm going to be bringing back some of my older series where I talk about the spreads for each week. Uh, one of my favorite bets, one of my like bets I'm trying to stay away from. I'm not a big fantasy guy, so don't talk to me about that. I've uh, gotten uh, last place the last three years in my uh, division that I've been playing with some friends from college, so that's not fun at all. But yeah, follow me on Instagram, follow me on TikTok, at Pick and Spreads, also on YouTube.com slash Pick and Spreads. Uh, we just want to shout out our sponsor of the show, which is SeatGeek. So SeatGeek makes ticketing so much easier. So SeatGeek is able to aggregate all of their tickets and give you a score from 0 to 10 on whether the ticket is a good deal or a bad deal. SeatGeek is a ticketing app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets. Plus, if you use our promo code from the backseat on your first order, you will get $20 off. So use the link in the description 
if you're watching it on YouTube or in the description on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And remember the code from the back seat. So make sure to click on our link and download the code. So let's get further into our interview with Donnie. So Donnie, let's get into your TikTok journey a little bit. So what what is one video you're super proud of that just didn't hit or just didn't make any waves that you spent time on that you felt like really showed off your TikTok well, but just didn't do anything? That is a really good question. Um, the one on the top of my head was probably, and this was a uh, this was a five minute long video. This was back um, maybe about maybe two months ago, something like that. It was um, post NFL draft. I wanted to give rankings for each NFL team, and I went over. Um, each pick from day one and day two and not day three, just day one, sorry, round one, round two, and round three for each NFL team. And I told them what I thought about it in one video. And I just thought everyone's going to love it. I put in so much time in it. I would say I put in a good about nine, 10 hours into just that one video and that one day because I got done with all my finals. So I had a large amount of time on me. It was the middle of May. So just sat down on my computer, wrote down notes for everything, took a very long time, uploaded the video, and it got 1,500 views in one day. And it was that moment where I was just, oh, it hurt, man. It really, really hurt. Because usually I'd average anywhere from 5,000 to 15,000 views a video. And when I saw that, I was just heartbroken because I was like, I spent so much time on it. And it just kind of fell flat, which I mean, it happens. Like I still enjoyed making the video. Like that's the thing. Like I just enjoy making videos so much that I'm okay if they fall flat every now and then. So then where did your TikTok journey begin? How did you get onto the platform? How'd you find it? So um, we are TikTok account would have been week two of the NFL in 2020, um, the pandemic year. So I originally, I was on Instagram for the 2019 so, season and a little um, bit of are, the 2018 so season. And what I do is I would put up the NFL posts about picking uh, what um, spreads for each game. So I favorite pick is on Instagram for all that type of stuff. And I would also show my record. Fun fact, in 2019, I was actually 71% of my picks were correct. And in favorite the average in Vegas is like 66 or 67. And I would also show my record. Fun fact, mind blowing. Yeah, it was an unreal year. But that's what I would mainly do. And then eventually, during the off season, the average in Vegas through TikTok, and I would see these accounts that also talked about sports. And I was like, you know what? I'll create a small TikTok account. Not really going to think much about it because that's what I would mainly do. Eventually, during the off season, I posted. If I remember correctly, it was my top ten quarterbacks. And at that time, that was the good old days when we had Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott was like still want to stick with Instagram. Wentz was like top eight. I Carson Wentz top five at the time. I remember correctly, that was back in the good old days. And then at that time, yeah, that was a weird time, right? And then Josh Allen and were being compared at the time. That was just a weird time for all of us. But first video posted got fifty k views. And then after that, I was. Yeah, that was a weird time, right? And, and then Josh and more and more videos and would be enjoyed at the time. Like, that was just uh, here I am almost two years later with but, over 20K. Um, first video posted, got 50K views. And then after that, I was and like, just out of curiosity, you could bring up the, the 71.1% you said in 2019. Just on a, because uh, obviously the pick and spread is the, the base of everything you found it on here. Is there one bet or parlay that you laid down that 
to this day you still think back on you're like man that was a whale i reeled in what a freaking call on my end Ooh, yes it was ravens and dolphins week one of 2019 i bet the over on the game points i bet the ravens to cover i bet lamar jackson to have four plus total touchdowns and i bet lamar to have three and i and i bet lamar to have over 300 total yards hit 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 i hit them all and i made like 500 dollars from that game Adam, boy, we'd love to see those, man. Those are ones that yeah, those Wait, ones I was all going. in. I was all in on the Ravens that year. I was all in on the Ravens. I was like, look at that O line. Look at that defense. The only thing I have questions about is Lamar, and he showed a lot of promise his rookie year. I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take the jump for it. Why not? And then, good lord, I make money. Was it the game that ended up being like fifty-two to something? Like just they yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it was like 59 to something, and like Lamar had a perfect passer rating of 158.3. And then that was the famous quote where he said, not bad for a running back, and that's when everyone was like, wow, okay, Lamar Jackson's really, really good. Yeah, exactly. Hollywood Brown had had 150, right? 150. Yeah, Hollywood Brown went off that game. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Well, so let me ask you about your TikTok. What is your favorite hate comment? you get what is something that you always get that makes you so the one the most common thing for me is um i have a speech disorder i have sometimes trouble in that i've sometimes have trouble pronouncing my l's and my w's and my r's every now and then i've gotten a lot better at it since i was a lot younger but that'd be my favorite and then some people there was one guy specifically he said i'm never going to go anywhere in life with this speech disorder and the best part, why it's so funny to me, that same exact day, I got a job at a radio station for a AAA baseball team called the Iowa Cubs. And I would be, I wouldn't be talking on it that much, but I'd be helping them out a lot. And every now and then I would talk on it. And it was that day where I got that job. And I still have a screenshot of that comment in my phone. And every now and then I just look at it and I just smile because it just makes me feel so good that it's just because of like, yeah, it just it makes me feel so much better about myself. That's awesome! Congratulations. Yeah, seriously, that's an awesome. You definitely get one of those uh, framing up when you make it big time and stuff like that. Looking back, whenever it takes people around the big house tour and be like, "Hey, that idiot right there was big wrong, man." So good exactly, for you. Exactly. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Great. Uh, well, let's get into the show. So let's get into the main part of our show. And so where we're gonna start is with Clark and I's. I wouldn't say our most famous segment, but the one we probably do the most, which is start bench cut. So we actually took one of your takes. As you said, these three players are the top corners of the 2010s, and you didn't put them in an order, so we're going to make you. So we're going to do it a start bench cut of. So again, start bench cut, it's like you probably know the game, right? I guess I should explain it. Yeah, okay, cool. Yep, I do. All right, cool. So start bench (laughs) cut, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, and Darrell Rivas. I do agree. I think those are the top three cornerbacks of the 2010s. I mean, they were all so good, man. Revis, like we know how good he was. One of the best zone corners we probably have ever seen. Richard Sherman, we all know how good he was. And Patrick Peterson, I'd argue, is one of the best man press corners of all time, where it's just like, leave him on an island, no safety help. It's going to lock down everyone. If I had to rank them for start bets cut, as much as my Cardinal wants to say, start Patrick Peterson, 
I can't, man. I got to go starting Rebus. I mean, I'd yeah. argue he was a top five corner of all time. Rebus Island, we know how good that one year was. I believe it was 2008 or seven, where just locking people down left and right. And it was one of the greatest corner seasons of all time. Uh, and then bench, I think I have to go with Richard Sherman. I mean, that Legion of Boom was just unreal. That was one of the best defenses we've ever seen. And although I think Patrick Peterson is probably the best man press corner of maybe the entire 2010s, I think I am going to have to cut him for this one. Oh, wow. So Clark, what would you do? No, you know, actually, I think I think Donnie's spot on with that. I, I think the analysis there is, is perfect. Um, I think I, I know the season you're referring to back in 2009 when Rebus Island, I think, was at its highest peak. He had like a kill list of dudes. He was holding under like 50 yards. I remember as a Bengals fan, they played the Jets in the first round. I thought Chad, after seeing him one time already, he'd do a little bit better. Absolutely a slaughterhouse. There's not a guy that you wanted your number one going against at any point. You didn't want to see him. And then I think, too, uh, like you said, Richard Sherman, I, I think the moments that he had, the Legion of Boom team that was, it would not have been it without him. He was a cornerstone and heart of that. And then I think, I mean, Patrick Peterson, I love too, but he would have to the guy that I think I would definitely have to cut in the scenario as you get as a as you get man-to-man press corner. I love him. The athleticism that he possessed was a freak. I thought skill and ball tracking wise, probably underrated in terms of how great he was at that. I think for corners, a lot of times you see dudes tend to drop picks. Didn't feel like I saw a lot of that with Pat Pete. So I think you're spot on with what you got there. That's the same list I would go with. So do you think Patrick Peterson's legacy would be more if he had kept returning punts? Or do you think it was good he stopped? Um, Ooh, that's interesting. I think it's good he stopped. I do think it's good he stopped because you don't want to, you don't want maybe possibly at that time a top two cornerback in the entire NFL mm-hmm. returning punts for you. I mean, there's a reason that the Chiefs stopped doing it with Tyreek Hill because you just don't want to see those guys for get sure. injured because they're just way too valuable for your defense and offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I one of the most memorable Patrick Peterson moments in my mind was his rookie year that walk off punt return he had against St. Louis in 2011. That was like. Signature man, that was like his LSU days coming out right there for him as a rookie. So that was pretty spectacular. But I think it was the right move. You don't want, like you said, your star players going out there and getting other dudes running full speed at them and lighting them up, and they miss six weeks because they broke a collarbone doing something that they probably you could have some other guy doing. So I think it was probably the smart move. Although for NFL fans, it would have been a blast to see those guys back there like Tyreek and him. It's a, just a boatload of fun. But financially for the team and just for if you want to be a better team in general you don't put your stars out there to return punts and kicks so for sure all right let's do our next one so this is our second our our last one which is start bench cut we're gonna go over to the receiver position of the 2010s and so these aren't these aren't the stars of the 2010 clark would you like to introduce it or you want me to do it they're not as much stars as 20 they go a little bit back further than the 2010s they're guys that you would deem as the uh the nitty gritty slot receivers that do a lot, all great players. So start bench cut between Wes Welker. I'm sorry. I'll actually let me pull up the list really quick. I think I got it wrong. Ethan, you read them off. I sent them to you. Uh, so it's start bench cut Anquan Bolden, Heinz Wards, or Steve Smith. Smith. Yeah, there you go. Woo. Wes Welker. Okay, been a good so one. repeat the first one again. Uh, it was between, uh, Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith, and Heinz Ward. Man, they were all so good. Steve Smith was so good with Carolina for a, for a good while. Heinz Ward and Pittsburgh, like we all know how good he was. Oh man, same with Anquan Bolden. Whew. Okay, okay. I think I'm gonna start 
I think I'm going to start Steve Smith. I think I'm going to start Steve Smith. Uh, Steve Smith is arguably one of the greatest slot receivers of all time. Um, well, at least we'll see what Cooper Cup does. But Steve Smith in his prime was truly just so much fun to watch with Carolina. Um, also, didn't he play in Baltimore for a few years as well? He played in Baltimore in some good years. He played in Baltimore, Baltimore. afterwards. Yeah, Even people yeah. thought he was over the hill. He was number one guy from Baltimore for a long time. Was he at another team? Was he at Denver or was he not? No, it was just, it was just Carolina and Baltimore. Okay, I, I thought so. I'm just making sure. I must be thinking of someone else. I think I'm going to bench Heinz Ward. Um, he was fantastic with Big Ben, man. He was fantastic with Big Ben. I think I might be wrong on that, but I just remember watching him in that Super Bowl game against Green Bay, and he was great for them. And then the last one, I think I'm going to have to uh, cut Anquan Bolden. But God, those those two, man, you can interchange them either. But I think Steve Smith is number one. Yeah, I think it's a good call. Yeah, totally. I, I would flip your your bench and cut though. I, I would uh, yeah, I would bench yeah. Anquan. Anquan, I'm a, I, I mean, just again, I, I'm a I'm a Heinz Ward sucker, man. Like I, I I'm a sucker for Heinz Ward. He was he was so much fun to watch. Heinz Ward was a a different breed of receiver for sure. That was a guy a receiver who never, I think, always welcomed the idea to crack back a uh, crack back back someone on a block or just stonewall someone as a receiver, which you don't ever see. I feel like nowadays, those guys want to get out of there. He was like the king of wanting to do the dirty work. But I think I think I'd take Anquan over him. I think as a pure receiver, like not a guy I think I might not anyone else there out there that I want to throw the ball to more on third down or if I needed the catch, surefire hands. Yeah, he always seems to find the soft spot in coverage. Yeah. So, but again, I think if like with all these guys, you can't go wrong. They're all great players. But I think Steve's the number one for sure. Yeah, they're all Hall of Famers, all of them. Right? All right, so I I got one more for you since Clark brought up Wes Welker. So we're just gonna do this on the fly. So start bench cut Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, or Tyler Lockett. Why are you throwing Tyler Lockett in there? I think it I was would trying be, to think of like another I like kind of slot be, receiver. I think it would be that exact order: Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, and Tyler Lockett. I think that's the order. I oh would yeah, put. really? You, you, so. would, you, you would bench Edelman over Lockett? I think I think Edelman in his prime was a better receiver than Tyler Lockett because Tyler Lockett's never really been like a top twelve ish wide receiver for like at least a year or two where I know Edelman's never made the pro bowl. Uh, I, I, I don't care about the pro bowl that much. And listen, Edelman was never great. Yeah. Edelman was never great in the regular season, but playoffs Edelman was truly very, very good. Very good. So that's why I, that's why I think yeah. I would give him the upper edge over Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, again, I think I, I just might switch it. Uh, maybe I'm a sucker for Lockett a little bit more. I've liked him a lot. Um, he does have the send to phase where he goes like God mode for the first three weeks. Against the Cardinals, man. Against Arizona. Every time, man. <laughs> Every time. He it is a specialty it. there. It does seem like he likes the uh, whatever they cook up over there in Arizona. So, But, uh, yeah, it's close. I mean, that's a good one, too, to come up on the fly right there. But I think I just might switch Lockett and Edelman. Well, so I was originally thinking Cole Beasley, but then I was like, everyone's going to cut Cole Beasley. Yeah. <laughs> no one's picking Cole Beasley. All right, let's move on to our next segment. So our next segment is we're going to talk about one of your takes, which is top five deep passers. So you put this out there. It was just in the middle of one of your take lists. And so your top five deep passers are Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen. Now, one of these quarterbacks, in my opinion, does not belong. So I want to have you defend it. 
Why is Kyler Murray on this list? So the reason why Kyler Murray is on this list is because every year of his career, according to PFF and Next Gen Stats, every year of his career, he has been ranked inside of the top six every single year. His rookie season, he was ranked as the sixth best deep ball in the NFL, and that was with his best deep threat being Demir Bird, which... As experience watching him, he's not very good. And then in 2020, he was ranked third from Next Gen Stats and PFF. He was ranked third in, for both of them. Um, I mean, the thing about Kyler is that he may not be great throwing the deep pass over the middle of the field. Nobody in the NFL, and I mean nobody except maybe Russell Wilson, can hit those outside hash numbers. Like just hitting those outside numbers that are deep downfield, nobody hits them better than Kyle except for maybe Russ. Because that's where they throw most of their footballs because they're just too short to read the middle of the field. So they usually have to rely on throwing towards the outside, and it works for them at a high level. And then last year, the reason why I put him in that top five officially, last year he was number one deep ball passer in the NFL according to PFF, and he was the number two according to next-gen stats. And the main reason for that was because Kyler's – do you guys know the stat big-time yep, throw yep. percentage? Yep. So Kyler's big-time throw percentage was number one in the NFL. And to say how large the gap is, the number three uh, – who I forget who it is. I think it's uh, Justin Herbert. But Justin Herbert had a 6% uh, big-time throw percentage. Number two was Aaron Rodgers with a 6.1. So those guys are really close, and everything else is close as well. Kyler's number one with a whopping 7.9%. That is 1.8% higher than Aaron Rodgers, who is number two. That gap is very, very large. And for everyone listening, what big-time throw percentage is, it's the percentage of your throws that are in tight spaces, deep passes as well, where they just are your most impressive throws when it matters the most. And that was the percentage of Kyler's throws was 7.9. So because of that, I think he is in that top three, although he may not have the arm strength of an Aaron Rodgers, a Pat Mahomes, or a Josh Allen. When it comes to just pure accuracy, I think there's only three guys, or no, there's only two guys with more consistent deep ball accuracy than him, and I think that's Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. So I, I want to ask you about two quarterbacks not on the list, and Clark, you could throw another name out there if I'm missing one. So the two glaring names that I think probably belong are Justin Herbert and Matthew Stafford which you left off the list. So can you explain, especially in my opinion, Herbert, I'm a Chargers fan. Why did you leave those guys off the list? So Herbert, if you want to have Herbert over, I mean, do you, so here's my top five in order. Do you want me to go through one through five? Cause I have sure. a list yeah, of go one ahead. through five. So my number one, so my number one in the league I have is Russell Wilson. My number two, I have is Aaron Rodgers. Three, I have Pat Mahomes, four, I have Kyler, and five, I have Josh Allen. The main reason I have Kyler over Allen, although Allen definitely has more arm strength, there's no denying that, Kyler's just more consistent with his accuracy, and you can tell by most of the accuracy stats. Like, Kyler is a more accurate quarterback than Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's a much better quarterback because his, his, his ceiling is much higher as well, and he has unreal arm strength, and I'd argue he's just as good of a playmaker. But when it comes to deep ball accuracy, I think Kyler's more accurate than Josh Allen to like he's more accurate enough to where the arm strength I can kind of look past. So if you want to have Justin Herbert over Josh Allen, completely get it. The main reason I don't is because I want to see uh, Justin Herbert have just one more year of being such a top tier great deep ball passer, and then I'll be able to put him into that top five. And then for Matthew, yeah, and good. then for Matthew Stafford, do you want do you want me to? And then for Matthew for sure. Stafford, the main reason, 
Matthew Stafford. Okay, so here's the thing about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford had nine deep ball passing touchdowns. He also had nine deep ball interceptions. And his completion percent was not great. Matthew Stafford's deep ball is really hit or miss. And I can name a couple plays. That deep ball pass against Tom Brady in the box where got them the game-winning drive against Tampa in the divisional. Perfect throw. Absolutely gorgeous. But then you look at another play like against the 49ers. Remember that um, he passed that he underthrew by a solid 5, 10 yards, and it was almost picked up by uh, Tukwiski's heart? For sure. Stafford is really hit or miss with that a lot. Really hit or miss. Like the highs are high, but he is really inconsistent with that accuracy, which is why I think he's probably not as good as those top five and Herbert as well. I think it's a very fair explanation. So uh, we have one question from the chat I'm going to ask you really fast to just inject. So this is coming from friends of the show, Drew Code Sports Talk. So do you think Kyler would be more successful if he had a new head coach instead of Cliff? And then I'll add on my own take. Do you think we'd see that deep ball really elevate as you say, like, because the stats show that he's great with his, with his deep in the deep part of the field. Do we think we'd see that evolve? Um, I think, yeah, I think you need to find the right coach though. You need to find the right offensive coach because Kylo can only fit in so many schemes because of his height. Same with Russell Wilson. But if you can get the right scheme around Kyler, to where he doesn't have to be under the pocket, um, under the center as much. He ha- he can also use his mobility a lot more. Maybe not to run the ball, but you know, just to extend plays. If you can find a coach like that, then yes, it can work. Like maybe hypothetically, I know he won't, but like a Lincoln Riley, like that type of coach. If he wants to go in the NFL with that kind of scheme, it would work for Kyler. So it just depends on the coach. But if we where Kyler has to be under center a lot, he has to be more focused as a pocket passer, then that's not going to be a great situation for him. So it just depends on the coach. I think it's fair mm-hmm. enough for sure. I think, again, I think he would benefit, at least, again, this is just my opinion, and I think Cliff still has one more shot. It's just you're giving him yourself. But I think there's going to be a better option out there. I think uh, I think they just need to give a little bit more of a change up. I think Kyler needs someone who's a little bit more, not necessarily consistent, because I do like, Cliff's play calls for a chunk of the season, like I've said, it just kind of teeters off. But I just think there's a better suitor out there that can help unlock more for not just him, but for the Cardinals itself as a whole. So, agreed. So, Clark, is there anyone you think should be on the list, or do you think we covered it? You think? Oh no, I, 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 to be honest, when you brought this up, I, I was on Donnie's side to begin with. I, I think his top five was pretty dang good. Um, I was just going to ask though, in general, in terms of your quarterback rankings, I hadn't looked at them. But um, I, I typically tend to be a little higher on Stafford than most people I think are right now. Or would Stafford figure into your top 10 guys, or is he even in that range for you? Oh, no, he's definitely top 10. There's no disputing that. Um, if I, So I don't personally rank Deshaun Watson because I want to see him play. Just I just want to see him play, and then I'll rank him. Just play one game, and then I'll be able to rank you. Um, without him on the list, I have Stafford at number 8, and I have Kyler at 9, and then I have Lamar at 10. And then above... Stafford, I have Burrow. But if you have Stafford above Burrow, I get it. I get it. I get it. Because Stafford was awesome, fantastic in the playoffs. But it's just, it's the up and down consistencies in the regular season that kind of holds him back. And I know Burrow had some inconsistencies. All quarterbacks had inconsistencies that year because no guy was just kind of like standing out as the MVP for the whole season. Like, you know, Kyler and Brady were kind of like for the first half, and then it turned into Aaron Rodgers towards the end of the year. Like it was just kind of a mess, so no quarterback was really consistent. So if you have Stafford above Burrow, I'd get it. So you have, you'd have have Burrow at seven then? 
Yeah, I'd have Burrow at seven. Seven, okay, that makes sense. I think it's where I think yeah, I might have been six or seven. I think myself he was seven on ours, and then Stafford was five on yours. He was six on mine. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's. I've seen people who have Stafford at ten. I've seen people who have Stafford outside the, at like eleven. I, I just don't understand that mantra behind it. I'm like, I feel like no, you finally got that's that's too much. That's yeah, exactly. I feel like you finally too. saw. I mean, you finally saw what it was like when he was the competent franchise, respectfully, the Detroit Lions, because I think they're doing some decent things over there right now. But um, he finally had a competent coach and the competent roster, and you saw just how talented the guy is. So whenever I see those, I always just ponder what their logic is behind that. But I think where you have it eight, that's totally understandable for him. So. All right. So next up, what we're going to do is we're going to go through a couple fringe Hall of Fame players. And we're going to decide as a panel, so we'll each vote on it. So for the Hall of Fame, you need uh, – do we want to make it a majority or just two to one? What do we think in, in our From the Backseat Hall of Fame? It's up to you guys. Well, we'll do, we'll do a majority rule. So if you get two or three, let's All say right. you go in. So our first person on the ballot is Matt Ryan. Do we think Matt Ryan is a Hall of Fame quarterback? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go ahead and say. I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. I'm gonna. I'll say yes. Is he a first ballot? No, absolutely not. Is he a Hall of Famer? He'll make it in eventually. Okay, Clark. What do you think? You know, I I, I share I share somewhat of the same sentiment. Um, I think had he won the Super Bowl with Atlanta, how he capped that off with the MVC, MVP season. I think you see him probably be a first ballot or at least have a more compelling yeah, yeah. argument at that point. However, he didn't. Uh, it's now one of the biggest, if not the biggest collapses. Yeah, I think it would be the biggest collapse ever in Super Bowl history. No debate really around that. Um, I think he is a Hall of Famer, though. I think it's one of those cases where he just had to maybe wait, you know, a year or two, maybe three. But I think the numbers-wise is there. He has an MVP on his side. Um, he's had a really, I think in terms of things, a great career, as you would call it, he's very productive. So I would give him a go ahead. Yeah. I'd say he would be. I'm in the same way. So he, he's in the hall of fame for us. So he's a hall of fame player because mine creates not a first ballot. Yeah. I don't think he's first ballot either, but I mean, he's had two elite seasons where he showed he's a top five quarterback during the league in 2016 and 2018, won an MVP was maybe the most dominant player. I mean, you can talk about the comeback in that Super Bowl, but to tell you the truth, he didn't have that. Like, the collapse wasn't really him. It was just the coaching kind of failed around him. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I think I always think back to that Super Bowl. I think if the Falcons had won that game, people probably talk about that throw and catch that him and Julio Jones connected for that ended up being for nothing in that. Yeah. But, you know, if he makes it, if they win that game, everyone's sitting here talking about it in Atlanta around the NFL, like, oh my God, remember that play? Remember Matt Ryan's throw? as kind of another signature moment for him to stick in there, but didn't roll that way because Tom Brady just decided to. Uh... <laughs> Tom Brady decided to become Tom Brady decided to become the goat. Yeah. So if it was already any debate, then he put it away then. So. All right. So next up before our panel is Jimmy Graham. Is Jimmy Graham, the tight end, a hall of fame player. Ethan, I'll let you go for Ethan, you go first on this one. For me, for me, he's not. I don't, I don't think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, his peak was really high in New Orleans, but I get that he has the volume stats to make it work, but I, I just don't think he belongs. Just because he was an elite player early in his career, and then once he left New Orleans, his career just absolutely tanked. He was never that good in Seattle, wasn't really relevant in Green Bay. 
Yes, he has the red zone numbers, but just his volume stats are just not there. I mean, 8,000 yards in his career, 85 touchdowns, those are all great. But to me, I I think you just got to be better for longer, especially with the state of the tight end position in the hall right now. This one's tough for me. I think I'm going to go ahead and say no. He made a first-team All-Pro once, made a second-team All-Pro once, and that's it. Um, I think I need to see a little bit more, and at this point, it's just not going to happen. So I think I'm going to agree with Ethan. I'm going to say no. I don't think he is. Yeah, you know, this one was a toss-up for me for sure because I think if you look at volume stats, you have a compelling argument that you could conceivably yeah. make in some yeah. extent. However, I think when people will look back at Jimmy Graham, it's to Ethan, your point, the peak was incredibly high. When Jimmy yeah, Graham was at the top yeah. of his game and healthy, I don't know. He was probably one of those dominant players in the NFL just off of his physical presence, what he could do in the red zone, and even did a pretty dang good job of extending the field as well, too, down the middle of the seam. Um, however, your peak has to be longer than Jimmy Graham's was. I think really, as you said, Chicago, Green Bay, Seattle, all those stops in there have formulated in just injuries and unfortunately nothing really to write home about. So I think Jimmy would be a guy that I think may come close, but I don't think he'll ever find the hall. He'd be like one of those guys you'd say, you know what, hall of very good, very good player, productive overall career, just not a hall of fame guy. All right. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to jump around our list next. So Donnie, I'll have you go first. You'll give your reaction first. Cameron Jordan, is he a Hall of Fame player? Is Cameron Jordan getting into our hall? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. I think he's done enough. And he's still going. Like yeah, he he's could still have playing. another great year. Like he's still I'd, he's still playing at a pretty high level. I I don't know if he's a top ten edge rusher, but he's definitely a top fifteen edge rusher. Like he could he, he can keep on adding up. So I I'll say yes. Clark, what do you think? You know, I mean I'm looking at he has an all pro. Um, I believe he also, which is huge. This is big. I think always he's a part of the 2010 decade team. I yep. think that was that's my really reason, big yep. for him. Yep. That was my, that's reason, a yep. huge thing for a guy to have. Cause like another guy I didn't put on here that I think is going to make it uh, for the Bengals, Geno Atkins. He's an all, he's a decade guy with a couple all pros. Um, I think the all pro um, uh, just career wise, let me see what, how many sacks he has 107. He's still going, as you pointed out, he's still a very productive player. I think when everything's said and done, Cam Jordan will end up being a guy that gets into Camden. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the volume stats are there. He has the longevity, and every year he's proven that he's a productive edge rusher. He's had seven seasons with 10-plus sacks. His pressure rates are always through the roof. Um, I think he's a Hall of Fame player as well. All right, so Cam Cam Jordan. Before before we leave Cam Jordan again, I just want to remind Ethan that the San Diego Chargers took Corey Legit over Cam Jordan. They let that happen. Don't keep... uh, I don't want you to forget that because how upset you are and how funny of a moment that sticks still out in my head. It. So just remember that. I still hate it. Well, it's funny. It, then a couple years if later. It, if it makes you feel – if if, if real quick, Ethan, if it makes you feel any better, statistically, we are the worst – First round drafting team in the entire NFL since 2002. Uh, so, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Other teams missed two, Ethan. Other teams missed Thanks. two. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Next up. Is Andrew Whitworth a Hall of Fame player? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It also, the Walter Payne of the Year Award, it's going to help him. It shouldn't, but it's going to help him. Like, he's, he's a way too respected vet. I actually just looked it up the other day. I think he's a three-time first-team All-Pro, I believe, or yeah. maybe two. 
Um, he had a really good run with the Rams. He was very solid in Cincinnati. He's always been a consensus top 15, top 10 tackle in the league. And last year at the age of 40, he was statistically, just statistically, he was statistically the best pass protector in the league last year at the age of 40. I think with the longevity and with the um, Walter Payne man of the year, I think I think he is. Yeah, I totally think to me this is, this is a slam dunk one. This is the, the biggest, the one that got away for Cincinnati. I cannot believe they ever let him walk. Um, a tragedy. Um, I think now the thing, it's a bummer, at least for me personally, too. I, if he goes in the Hall of Fame, he will probably do it as a Ram, and that stings. So uh, he's like the image of stability at the left tackle position that every team desires and you want protecting the blind side for the quarterback um could not ask much more of andrew whitworth and i think like to your point the walter man uh, walter payton man of the year award and the super bowl ring if it was ever a question it was cemented over and sealed after that so we'll be very happy to see him again next up so he's a hall of fame player andrew whitworth Take he'll be in the actual Hall of Fame. He won't just be in our Hall of Fame. He'll be in the actual Hall of Fame. Great player. Uh, yeah, he will be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Players care about this one. Um. So next is maybe the most controversial of the actual people who's retired, who people talk about if a Hall of Fame case. I couldn't leave him out. Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Fame quarterback? Oh. I'll go first. I'll uh, go first. All right, so Clark, I, go ahead. Um... I'll, I'll go ahead. <laughs> I think this one is this is like the quintessential I think one that goes on right now that's very tough. To me Philip is. I have a Philip bias. I do really enjoy me some Philip Rivers. I love the bolo tie. I think when you look at it too career-wise the stats, the dude was a gamer. Did he have his shortcomings? Absolutely. Did he not win enough maybe when he should have? Sure. Is it entirely all of his fault? No. Anytime you play an AFC championship game on a torn ACL, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he was huge for the Chargers when they were here. Of course, you would have liked him to see him win a Super Bowl, but I think when you look at his numbers, he's better than a guy like Eli. He's comparable to Roethlisberger. He just didn't win anything. And that's what always everyone sticks out with the quarterback, whether it's fair or unfair. Um, to me, I would say Phillip would be. Again, I have some bias for him, but – it's very close, but I would say Philip would be in my mind. Yes, he would be a Hall of Famer. Okay. Donnie, okay. Donnie, what do you think? Listen, um, if you are going to be a Hall of Famer, I just want you to make just one all-pro team. Not even first team. Just one regular second-team all-pro team, mm-hmm. and he didn't do that. So even though he's made seven Pro Bowls, which matters for some reason, I guess Pro Bowl was more important back then, I guess. Like, even with all that, I just want one All-Pro. And for his very large career, he didn't do it, but maybe you could argue he deserved it in 2018. Maybe he did. But I, I, I'm i going to have to say no. I'm going to have to say no on this one just because no All-Pros. I know, I know winning is kind of a team accomplishment, and – the big controversy of like is Eli Manning going to be a Hall of Famer? Which spoiler alert, he's going to be. Uh, is River mm-hmm. a more talented player than Eli? Yes. Did he have better numbers than Eli? Yes. But if we're talking about like is he actually going to get in, like Philip? My answer is no, just because of the All Pro. I think it's fair. I enough. get it. The only thing I will say with All Pro, at least for his, and I don't think anyone would make this argument necessarily. 
because you still got to be good to be an all pro guy, but it was a very stacked room that he was going to be in there with breeze with Manning, with Brady, all those guys constantly popping up tough crowd to be around, but I get what you're saying. Got to kind of have that all pro in there to cement things over to leave no questions. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For me, he's a hall of famer. And the reason he's a hall of famer is because of his longevity. I mean, obviously I'm a chargers fan, but I think when you play 240 games in a row, there's something to that. When you were playing 16 games, you play on a torn ACL. Yes, he never won an All-Pro. Yes, he never won an MVP. But he was a top-five quarterback for the majority of his career with a very crowded quarterback room. Yes, the winning wasn't there. But he showed time and time again that he was an absolute baller. I mean, there were times in his career where he probably should have won the MVP in 2008 when Tom Brady won it because of the unbeaten season. Phillip Rivers was statistically better than Tom Brady. In 2018, Phillip Rivers was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. There have been time and time again where he's just shown that he was an absolute baller on a bad franchise that didn't help him succeed. So in my opinion, he's a Hall of Famer. But the separate question is, he is since Clark and I both agree he's a Hall of Famer, he'll get into ours. But I will concede, I don't think he gets into the actual pro Hall of Fame. I don't think, I don't think he'll get into Canton. I think winning Super Bowls is too important. I think winning all pros is too important. I think people are going to look at that and discredit it. But for me, you can't take away a dude who played 240 games in a row and left everything on the field. To me, that that is the Hall of Fame. That's what makes you a Hall of Fame player. There's going to be no other player who probably even matches that number of playing that many games in a row and playing on a torn ACL in an AFC Championship game. I mean, that's just stuff of legends. So for me, he's a Hall of Famer, but I, I totally understand why you'd leave him out. And I think he will be left out of the actual Canton Hall of Fame. Just a fun question here, though. Say say he did make it. Would he request it? Would he put San Diego Chargers on the bust? Would he put San Diego or would he have to say L.A.? Would he get that choice? I don't think he gets that choice. That's no, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. No. <laughs> I think it's I would LA love Chargers. him to do it for just one more middle finger to Los Angeles. Well, I mean, the one thing he could like do is he could put Indianapolis Colts on it. Oh, that he, would be great. That would be that great. would be great. <laughs> I would be hilarious if you put Indianapolis Colts on there, just so Dean Spanos just has a heart attack over it. They still so. haven't signed him to a one. They haven't retired his number. Signed him to a one day contract. Nothing. The Chargers organization, which is crazy. He's the statistical leader of every passing record in the Chargers book, and his number isn't retired. Whatever the but. Bengals haven't even retired a single number, and that's there. So you know. Could All be right. That. So. We his number but i have a feeling that's gonna happen oh yeah it's coming around. that's gonna come all right so we got two left uh let's try to get through these quickly so we can wrap up the show uh i already know what donnie is gonna say to this one so i'll let you go first donnie you're just gonna say you quickly is patrick peterson a hall of famer yes the answer is yes yes i would tend to agree i think he's a hall yeah. of fame player i mean he's the best all right you, i mean he's the best you can't take away the fact that he was the best man press corner of maybe the 2010s you can't take that away like i think it was like revis revis sherman they were zone guys you're talking about getting your face punch you man press corner spit on you trash talk all that stuff Pappy was the best of the of this decade yeah totally fair Last but certainly not least was in the was in the news this week, and it comes from our boy Devontae Adams over in the Raiders organization. Is Derek Carr a Hall of Famer? No, not right now. 
Well, what, would... what is he giving me at all to think that he would be? <laughs> I can't even believe that he said that. I get, I love, I love gassing up your guy, man. But what are you kidding me? Uh, no, but he could maybe. He could. Yeah, I will give that. He could. Easy he on. Is still he's still young. He's, he he's could, young. He can yeah. do it. I'm just not seeing it right yeah. now. I, I wouldn't be like, uh, well, Canton for my boy, uh, Derek Carr, but. I would tend to agree. I don't think he's yeah. done anything to prove that he's a Hall of Fame player right now. No. I mean, not, has not he even been a back at any point in his career? What was the year that he yeah. broke his ankle? Yeah. Oh, 2018? 2016, he was like statistic top six yeah. quarterback. He was really I think, good. I think cars, cars to me is like just the guy that sits at 11 or 12. Right yeah. Now. The top ten, like where he would be eleven or twelve, would be my place for him. I think he's really good. I think you're happy if you have Derek Carr. You can win with Derek Carr. Um, there's just guys you want over him. So, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, this has been our show. But before we wrap it up, I have one question from the chat for you, Donnie, and that's: How often on your TikTok do you get the comment, "Do you don't know ball"? <laughs> um just that specific question or different types of or right, like how, how many just a variation um i would say probably anywhere from 10 to 30 times a day anywhere from that range 10 to 30 times a day i'd say wow sounds about right yeah. Well, Donnie, uh, make sure you can plug all your stuff before we go. So, Donnie, where can they find you? Uh, follow me on TikTok at Pick and Spreads. Um, follow me on Instagram as well at Pick and Spreads. I'm more active um, with talking to actual people um, instead of arguing with people, just you know, talking to people back and forth. I'm more active on Instagram. I open up Instagram DMs all the time. I uh, love talking to people like that. Um, follow me on YouTube as well. I'm thinking about starting a YouTube channel. I've gotten a lot better with editing recently, so I should be able to if once uh, once I get back to college. So follow me on all those, and I'd appreciate it. Help me to get 30K before the end of the season. Yeah, let, let's do it. Let's get that man 30K. And then for us, make sure to leave a five-star rating on the podcast on wherever you're listening it, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It really helps the show. And then make sure to follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you digest our content the best. Of course, TikTok is where we're the most active. So if you ever want to send us a DM, that's the best place. I'm going live more often, so make sure to interact with us. This has been our show for the day. Thank you, Donnie, for coming on. It was an absolute blast to have you come on to our show. Got your number down pat, man. Yeah, congratulations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate appreciate you having me on, guys. Uh, I hope PFF hires you. That's awesome that you that you could become an intern there. Uh, they they would be lucky to have you. And that's that. It's an awesome story about you getting onto that radio show. That radio show, being able to show your commenters. Um, that's just awesome. Oh yeah, it was it was the best. It was one of the best feelings I've ever had. All right. Well, thank you from from the back seat. This has been our honor. Have a great rest of your day, everyone.